The book of Jonah, in all likelihood, is not grounded in historical fact. Much like many stories in the Bible, it is rather an object lesson that teaches us something about life and our relationship with God. That said, it's a pretty good lesson. Jonah is a reluctant prophet, just a regular guy trying to get through the day. And as he's minding his business, God tells him that he has to journey to the city of Nineveh, many miles away, and proclaim God's judgment upon it, to tell all of these people that they are about to be destroyed for their wickedness and their sins. But Jonah wants nothing to do with God. He immediately books passage on a ship headed for Tarshish in the opposite direction of Nineveh, trying to get as far away from God's call as possible. And it's here that our story begins as the ship finds itself in a terrible storm, and as God tries to teach Jonah a lesson, namely that the journey of faith is not an easy one, whether we choose to walk it or flee from it, regardless of where it leads, Tarshish, Nineveh, or the bottom of the sea. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the sailors were afraid, and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, come, let us cast lots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then they had said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? for the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood for you, O Lord. 
have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. And may they be in keeping with the teachings of our Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. At the dawn of the 20th century, a massive construction project was underway at the Harland and Wolfe shipyards in Belfast, Ireland. A luxury steamboat that would be called the RMS Titanic, the largest ship that had ever been built. It was a marvel of technology and artistry, equipped with cutting-edge propulsion systems and the finest accommodations that its wealthier passengers could imagine. A floating fortress of iron, linoleum tile, and polished wood. According to an article in Shipbuilder magazine at the time, the author described the ship as practically unsinkable. God himself could not sink this ship, one of the deckhands famously commented. Its builders were so confident in the ship's invincibility that they neglected to include enough lifeboats for everyone on board, arguing that they didn't want to unnecessarily clutter the decks. On the night of April 15, 1912, Titanic struck an iceberg that tore a massive hole in the ship's hull, flooding its lower compartments and condemning it to the bottom of the Atlantic. In the popular film by the same name, released in 1997 and starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet as star-crossed lovers, the infamous phrase is repeated, God himself could not sink this ship. In the movie, the guy who funded its construction protests that Titanic cannot sink, even as it's begun to take on water. But the man who designed it, Thomas Andrews, replies, she is made of iron, sir. I assure you she can, and she will. It is a mathematical certainty. Titanic has been on my mind lately because for whatever reason, my son is obsessed with this movie. For a time, the wallpaper on his desktop PC was the iconic image of DiCaprio and Winslet embracing on the prow of the ship as the sun sets behind them. He says that he wants to be DiCaprio's character, Jack Dawson, for Halloween. He watches YouTube videos about the history of the ship and recently explained to me the popular theory that if Titanic had just struck the iceberg head on, instead of trying to turn away at the last minute, it might have escaped its grim fate. And now having watched this movie with him several times over the last few months, I cannot seem to get the score out of my head. But as many times as I've heard it, that haunting, poignant melody still stirs something deep within my soul.
makes you appreciate our music program here at <laughs> First Congregational Church. Now, I won't tell you how the film ends. I don't want to spoil anything. But the story of Titanic does make me wonder about the things that we choose to put our faith in and how vulnerable that faith can be. Every year, our eighth grade students at church kneel before this altar to confirm their faith. Now, this is not a one and done proclamation nor the profession of an unshakable credo that's carved in stone, but rather a commitment to continue along this journey of faith. What you all believe today is not necessarily what you will believe tomorrow or 10 years from now, but this is an opportunity to consider what you do believe in at this stage of the journey in a serious and intentional way. It's a milestone, a place to pause and reflect upon one's faith. And to that end, they each write an essay that explores various angles of religious ideas and experience. How do we understand scripture? What does Jesus teach us about how to live and love one another? What do you believe happens to us after we die? How do you define sin? What are some of the greatest challenges facing our world today and how can our faith help us to navigate them with integrity? It's our tradition here on Confirmation Sunday to share some excerpts of their reflections, which are always quite insightful and inspiring. Regarding the Bible, one of our students wrestles with the tension between faith and science. We have no idea if all of its stories are actually true, he writes. In many cases, they are metaphors to explain what the authors couldn't figure out at the time. It's okay to believe in modern science and theories, but also to be faithful, he concludes. I choose to believe in both. Many of our students repeated a refrain that we often teach here, that we take the Bible too seriously to read it literally. They demonstrate an understanding that even when scripture is not rooted in historical fact, much like the book of Jonah, it can still be true in a deeper sense. Those stories still have value, one young man writes, because people can still read and hear those stories and learn the lessons in them. When you're thinking about how the Bible relates to me, another young woman explains, the things that Jesus said still apply today. The people who lived back then lived with different laws, mostly based on the Old Testament. The most important thing Jesus taught then and still applies today is love. Love your neighbor. Jesus taught us to forgive because with love comes forgiveness. There's a tired old joke that's been floating around churches for decades. It's about a church that had an infestation of mice, but once the mice got confirmed, they all left and no one ever saw them again. <laughs> now, fortunately, our students seem to recognize the value uh, that comes with being part of a faith community. The church is a safe place where everyone can connect with each other and the Holy Spirit, one of them writes a place where you can be part of a community. In the future, I think churches will be a sanctuary where you can find inspiration, community, and connection. 
Every Sunday, God invites the community over for some bread, wine, and a mid-morning chat, one student writes, which I think is a beautiful description of what we do here in worship. It's a time to be in relationship with God and with each other. And regarding that relationship, the same uh, young man goes on to say that he doesn't care much for the term servant in relation to God. To me, servant is a term for someone who does their master's dirty work. And that's not the relationship I want with God. I think the word student is better because God is like a mentor through life. And when it comes time, death. Death is a subject that many of our students chose to write about, offering creative visions of what happens to the human soul after it leaves this world. The afterlife looks like a perfect paradise beach, one young woman imagines. Humans and animals would live in harmony. God will greet and welcome you. My family will be there, as well as my favorite artist, Tyler Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift, sorry. I suppose one person's paradise is another man's eternal torment. <laughs> and several of these essays do profess a belief in both heaven and hell. I believe that in heaven you have a second life with God in his kingdom filled with great things, one student writes, but I believe that hell's punishment is that there is eternally nothing. Among those who believe in both heaven and hell, the determining factor of one's fate, as you might imagine, is their degree of sin. But what is sin, precisely? I think the definition of sin, one young man explains, would be something that you shouldn't do and is considered bad. I believe that what makes something right or wrong is if Jesus would do it. For example, Jesus probably wouldn't lie to anyone, so therefore it's wrong. That's an interesting litmus test, to be sure. But I do wonder if it's always so simple to tell right from wrong. I mean, we live in a morally complex universe, one that can sometimes challenge our faith in simple goodness. That being said, at least one of our students is pretty assured in his own moral compass, proclaiming, Mother Teresa's got nothing on me. I think he was joking, but <laughs> well, we have to recognize that sometimes that confidence can lead us into troubled waters. Now, Jonah, as I said earlier, he wants nothing to do with God or his faith. He doesn't want to get caught up in some cosmic drama or deal with the questions that it brings. What did Nineveh do to deserve God's wrath? Does a loving God really cast judgment on people? What's this business about sin all about anyway? And more importantly, is any of this really happening? Or am I just a character in an ancient story designed to teach people a moral lesson? Jonah flees from God's calling, turns aside from it, tries to flee from God on a boat that he imagines will facilitate his escape. And there he finds himself in a boatload of trouble. The ship is caught up in a violent storm that threatens to send it to the bottom of the ocean. 
And in an effort to appease God's wrath, the crew throws Jonah overboard, swallowed by a giant fish, left with nothing but time. Wonder where he went wrong. The proverbial belly of the whale is a phrase that we use to describe a hard time in one's life. A low point, a dark night of the soul where nothing seems right. Our faith, once an unsinkable ship in our youth, drowns like lead in a sea of doubt. And at some point in our lives, probably more than once, that's where we all find ourselves belly of a whale. And there we find there are no simple answers, that things aren't always binary, a straightforward matter of right and wrong, but rather a tangled mess, moral ambiguity, lesser evils, and impossible choices. After the untimely passing of his wife, C.S. Lewis wrote that, if my house has collapsed at one blow, that is because it was a house of cards. God's only way of making me realize the fact was to knock it down. Our faith can be quite vulnerable, especially if we're too sure of ourselves, too convinced that we've got it all figured out, that we know all of the answers. Given enough time, something will come along to prove us wrong. We might feel as though our faith will never waver, but I assure you that it can. And it will. Life's hardships cannot be avoided. Much as Jonah tried to flee from God's call, much as the Titanic tried to swerve away from that iceberg, they both ended up at the bottom of the ocean. Perhaps rather than turning away or relying on platitudes, it's better to face the questions, the hard questions, head on. The current state of the world is not great, one woman plainly acknowledges in her essay. And the church can help by taking action. The church could be a force for good by taking the lead on issues such as fixing inequality, gun control, climate change, and fighting for peace in the world. The church can make a positive difference. One young man writes about nature and the environment offering a profound perspective on God's creation. Only sounds you hear in nature are living things, he says. Things that were always there. But people ruin the moment. Another student reflects on Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter that he wrote while imprisoned in Birmingham jail. King calls out what he calls the white moderate, who he believes is complicit in crimes against people of color by choosing to do nothing. Standing on the sidelines, this young woman agrees, not sticking up for what you believe in and not fighting for justice is just as bad as those who commit injustice. These young people recognize that we simply cannot turn away from the world's troubles. That's not what our faith calls us to do. As one of them writes, with the current struggles of our world, it is important to keep in mind that love is stronger than anything. Friends, our faith can be vulnerable to the icebergs that will come our way. We may find that things we once believed may no longer hold true for us. God still abides regardless. And God's love truly is 
an unsinkable ship that carries us through every storm. By continuing to share its core values of love and justice and inclusion, one young woman wisely observes, the church will be a strong and powerful force for positive change. Churches like the one I go to, another reflects, may not be able to change the world by itself, nor may it be able to change the future, but seriously, take a second and listen to someone, he says. I presume he's talking about me here as the preacher. And as I read this, you know, for a moment, I confess I feel a twinge of personal pride, which is immediately shattered. <laughs> you may learn something, he continues, or you may learn nothing at all. As I reflect upon all of these words, all of these observations and beliefs that our confirmation class have put to paper, I am reminded of another song, not the Titanic theme, but a tune called Steer Your Way by Leonard Cohen. Steer your way through the ruins of the altar and the mall. Steer your way through the fables of creation and the fall. Steer your heart past the truth you believed in yesterday. Friends, we must all steer our way on this journey of faith. May we never swerve from the path that God has called us to travel. May we trust that questions can be more valuable than answers. And may we remember in the words of one of our students that you are never too young to spread the word and the love of God. Amen.